Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Today, my guest is Allison Perrier. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a certified eating disorder specialist. She has a private practice in Asheville, North Carolina, where she works with clients who struggle with eating disorders and anxiety. Allison also created a coaching business, Abundance Practice Building that supports therapists as they build sustainable, well-balanced private practices of their own. She's full of energy and inspiration, and she's channeled her anxiety into growing her businesses with abundance. So get ready for a lively discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we have our guest, Allison Perrier, today, and I'm super excited to um, welcome her to the Woman Warriors podcast. So thanks for joining us, Allison. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. So um, if you wouldn't mind just sort of uh, talking to the listeners a little bit about yourself, but about like what got you where you are today, like you are a business coach, you are um, a successful therapist, you're a mom, like, so talk to us a little bit about your journey as to how you found yourself where you are today. Yeah, okay. I'll try to give a briefer version. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I started out, um, when I was 11, I decided I wanted to be a therapist, even though I had never seen a therapist, I'd never known a therapist, but I, I was the kid, you know, how there's many of us as therapists were the kid that everybody told everything to, like all my peers would come to me and tell me the big heavy stuff. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, I like, I thought it was giving advice, right? Like, <laughs> I thought that's what therapists do. Um, I was like, I like giving advice. Like I like being trusted. This is what I want to do with my life. So fast forward through adolescence, which was a fairly rocky time for me. Um, and I developed an eating disorder throughout my adolescence. And um, when I finally saw a therapist, because of course I was going to be a therapist. And for some reason that meant I shouldn't need a therapist. I know, um, right? Is that oh. mine? Which is so ridiculous. Now as a therapist, I'm quite clear it's the opposite. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, I went through therapy and went through recovery from my eating disorder and was like, whoa, this is the life that was available to me all along. Mm. Like, this is amazing. Um, because with my eating disorder, I had really intense anxiety. I had panic attacks and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I also had pretty severe depression. So I was, I was living this very, um, contained life. Um, and all of a sudden I was so much more open and I had deeper relationships and I was having fun instead of just feeling like I was being diligent and dutiful all the time. Yeah. So, um, that really propelled me further into wanting to do therapy. And so, you know, went to school, undergrad, went to grad school, became a therapist, um, loved being a therapist and, um, did not love working in agencies, um, despite, 
being a very easily managed person. I'm very much a people pleaser. It's something I've been working on pretty much my whole life Mm. Um, and always wanted to be like the star employee. So I discovered um, the idea of private practice. And when we were moving cross country, decided like I just couldn't waste another minute of my life in a system that didn't um, value me and was just looking at the bottom line and didn't care about their clients like I did. So I started a private practice in a brand new city and had really great success um, and started becoming like a private practice proselytizer. Um, (laughs) Like all my friends back in Georgia, I'm like, you got to get out of there. Let me tell you what I did. This is what I did. And the things that worked for me in Seattle worked in a college town in Georgia and worked in you know, a city in Ohio and like some of these places where my friends were spread out. And so when I moved back to the Southeast, um, I knew we were putting down roots mm-hmm. and that I, this was the last practice I was going to get to build. And so I decided to kind of like be a stage mom instead and live vicariously through other people's <laughs> private practices. <laughs> so I started mine, it filled up fast and I was like, well, darn. like prolong that so um, I started helping other people build their practices as a job and um, it's been it's been incredibly fulfilling because I know that the therapists that I've helped um, have these successful practices and they're living a better life than they were before and I really believe that that feeds into how we treat our clients and so I just feel like there are more people getting more help that's really well suited to them and hopefully you know, it's my little piece of giving back to the world of like, let's all feel better. So yeah, yeah. Well, and you really truly, um, you know, I know there's stuff that you do that's paid and but you offer so much free content too, which is really truly amazing. And, um, you. you know, <laughs> yeah, I love your Facebook group. And it's just been um, it's helped me build my private practice. So that's pretty awesome. Yay. too. Yay. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one thing that I really, I think what prompted me to ask you to be a guest, which I messaged you about this, you had posted on Facebook one day, you said over functioning through anxiety since 1979 would be my personal tagline. <laughs> so, and I just thought that was so funny, but also so relevant to my podcast, because I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want, because we're focusing on women with anxiety, like I am trying hard not to make this like, oh, this is such a sad thing because like you can function with anxiety and it can actually help in some ways. But so talk to me about your journey with anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think I've got a fair dose of like some, some genetic makeup and then a fair dose of just like... I, I live a really intense life sometimes. And so, um, and I'm not good at living a low key life yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. And so when things start to settle down a little bit, I'm, I come up with big ideas that I then need to enact. Like I don't create drama for myself, but I do create work for myself, which then yields some, Extra some anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think for me, my anxiety has actually helped in a lot of ways. I don't enjoy it, but it helps clarify things sometimes. So um, I had a moment, I guess it was in um, earlier this year when I was feeling extremely anxious and I was like, okay, this is like, this is above and beyond my normal level of anxiety. What am I not paying attention to? What, what do I need to address here? And in doing so, I was able to kind of take a new, fresh look at 
what I'm doing in my work and what I want to be doing in my life and how I can make those things work better. I feel like when my anxiety is closer to those peaks, it's very, um, it's like, hey, you've been missing all these red flags. We've been throwing up at you, Allison. Like, yeah. show up and look at what's going on. So for me, it helps me rein in and create more of the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it helps me get scrappy. I'm like, okay, if I wanted to work fewer hours, like, how do I make sure that I don't decrease my revenue? Because none of us really want to lose money, right? right? So how can I make sure that I'm I'm maintaining or making more? And I end up, um, what is that necessity is the mother of invention saying? You know, like I end up creating some things that um, are win-win-wins all around. Right, right. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's one way that it helps me. Um, I think it also helps me relate to the therapist that I'm helping because starting a private practice is so oh. nerve wracking. Yes. It's so vulnerable. It's so, um, that fear of failure, that fear of success, like so much of that stuff shows up for people. And while I have absolutely, like you could plot me in any other city and I'd be having a great time starting a private practice. Not that the feelings wouldn't come up. They'd be there, but I'd be like, Hey you, I knew you'd show up about month two and a half. You know, <laughs> um, I'd at least feel uh, like I, I know the anxiety feeling. I feel that a lot. So I can really relate to the experience of their situational anxiety with my kind of like day in, day out anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that would help a lot. Well, it also normalizes that, that, well, especially for, you know, the clients that you're coaching, like to have anxiety around building a private practice is totally normal. Like it's, yeah. it's part of, it's part of the process. And on the one hand, but it's also like, well, you're putting yourself out there in a way for, you know, for people to judge, but also to fail to, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully succeed, uh, uh, you know, obviously, but um, yeah, it's really. Yeah. Well, well, and the few people I've seen who have zero anxiety about it, it's really just like, overconfidence and they don't really realize what's going to have to go into it. Mm. And so whenever I see somebody like, Oh yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just going to open my practice. I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I'm here. You know, I'm, I've got your back. Like I'm here if you need me. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I've definitely had that happen a few times where people were like, Oh my God, this is so much harder than I thought it would be. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm there with (laughs) you. Yeah. Well, and it definitely, um, yeah, it pokes you in all those vulnerable places of like, I don't know, we were just talking about, I was talking about this with somebody the other day about, you know, the imposter syndrome and am I good enough? And I, do I have enough trainings to be the expert in whatever I choose to be? Um, yeah, it can be really tough. And I think being honest about anxiety, right? Like that's the thing that really, takes away the shame because if I pile shame on top of my anxiety it's I'm done for yeah you know so if I can just be like oh man like I'm at level eight man (laughs) (laughs) I'm vibrating as I said um then it gives me an opportunity to actually address it it also takes the pressure I might put on myself to handle something perfectly or um you know like it the more real I am about it the less pressure I feel to not experience the anxiety yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes, like, as you said, like, when it shows up, it is sort of kind of saying, like, hello, like, there are things you're not addressing internally here. Like, let's let's pause and think about that. And how can we go about it in a different way? Yeah. Um, 
You had mentioned also, uh, I saw on your website, one, some of your copy, you know, just was saying that, you know, what has helped you with managing your anxiety was like learning how to feel your feelings and learning how to really be in tune with what was happening inside you. Um, so do you mind talking about that a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, I think back into my, my adolescence and young adulthood when I was like so mired in like anxiety and eating disorder and depression, um, I felt like, and this is, this was totally self-imposed pressure. I mean, aside from our cultural pressure, um, towards perfectionism, like I didn't have parents who encouraged perfectionism. They're really chill people, um, very loving and accepting. So I, I didn't grow up with intense demands, but I still remember like the first time I got straight A's in middle school and I was like, oh, I should do this all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think temperamentally I was a kid who felt like I had to succeed and I got a lot of praise for it at school and my parents were like, that's great, Allie. So um, I think the people pleaser plus the really tenacious piece of me, like all of this stuff kind of got all stirred up. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of on this quest through so much of my younger life of – like achieving it wasn't even being the best like I never really cared about like trying to be valedictorian or anything like that it was more about like if I could have done better I would be ashamed if I didn't put my all into it Mm. um and that's an immense amount of pressure for anybody and especially for um, an adolescent who didn't really have coping skills yet and so when feelings would pop up I would usually use like my eating disorder to shove them away Mm -hmm. um like I could ruminate about that kind of stuff instead and um as I went through recovery and treatment and things like that I started realizing like okay I can have a panic attack and survive it like it sucks (laughs) (laughs) and it's gone Um, and it's kind of like, I don't know, almost like a medical procedure. Like you can go in, it's going to suck for a minute, but it's over, you know, like root canal or something. Um, so I started to kind of see it as this is something I can handle. Like I can handle feeling the feelings. And once I had that trust that I could handle them and the acceptance that I wouldn't like them, but that, I mean, I've done all sorts of things in my life. I don't like, you know, like paying bills and stuff like that. That's just a life um all of a sudden it didn't feel as daunting to feel them um and I think I also still have moments where I don't realize I've been suppressing feelings um and then it bubbles up into like pretty intense anxiety so yeah yeah and the juggling thing like you mentioned being a mom earlier like I've got two kids I own two businesses I've got an amazing partner that I try not to suck as a wife towards uh, (laughs) you know and he has business. And so it's like, we're, you know, we're also sandwich generation with, you know, our folks. And so it's, um, it's, my plate is very full. Yeah. Um, and I chose every single piece of what's on that plate. So for me, it's about, um, managing them to the best of my ability, knowing that it's not, it's never going to be balanced. Like it'll be balanced for like four seconds and then something's going to tip. <laughs> and that's just it, you know, it's like, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, what you said about like the, you know, I can have a panic attack and survive, which oftentimes in the moment, it doesn't feel like you're going to survive because you think you're dying, but, uh-huh. but also that I can feel those feelings and they're not going to, 
totally overwhelm me or suck me down or like I, I can crawl back out of this even though I'm feeling really bad right now. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think for me, especially working with the clients, because my, you know, I work with women and men who have anxiety. Like, I think part of the fear is like these emotions, these feelings are just, if I open that door, like it's all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And really it's like opening the door is actually releasing a pressure valve. Right. Yeah. And it, and well, and to me, I mean, and I know this may sound, uh, I don't know, whatever, idealistic or whatever, or too Pollyanna. But like, to me, it's like, all right, let's start looking at anxiety as a way of saying to you, hey, hello, knock, <laughs> knock, knock, pay attention. There's some feelings here that we need to deal with. Yeah. 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 So for you, um, and working with both the clinicians and you also have your own practice, yes? Uh how do you help people really work through that and and manage their anxiety in a way that you know they are thriving and they are moving forward and not getting stuck I think with my my therapist that I work with it's I do a lot of modeling like I'm really open about like yeah anxiety sucks I feel it too like I remember how it felt when I was starting my practices and we are like maybe the only entrepreneurs who already have the skill set to manage it. Like we know all the things to do. It's a matter of doing it, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I think that sets us up really well. So I, I also bring playfulness to it, um, which is kind of what I try to bring with most things. Um, mm-hmm. And bringing some playfulness to the anxiety can often diffuse it. So um You know, like I talk about, I give the example of, yeah, when I was so afraid I wasn't going to get clients and I'm like sitting on my living room floor with snot running into my mouth because I'm crying so hard, you know, like, (laughs) like coming up with like, like these memories that were, that people totally relate to when they're in that moment. Um, And it's gross and it brings some ease to it almost. Um, Yeah. And so another thing I do is I'm like, let's make sure you're doing the things that you can do to get some referrals um because if you're if you're not we need to work on that first before we like soothe you into thinking clients are coming because if you're not doing anything to help them find you then you're certainly not going to get them you know yeah absolutely kind of that more practical side as well as the the validation the normalizing um and then with my therapy clients I, i work primarily with people with eating disorders and anxiety and so um i don't do as much modeling with them simply because of you know, boundaries. And I don't want them to try to use the same things I use because we're all so different. Sure. Um, So what do we do? I mean, we do a lot of like acceptance and commitment therapy where I'm helping them like accept that this is like, this is right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and normalizing it because I've been working with eating disorders since 2001. So I've, I've seen them and I understand the course that people go through in their recovery. And so also giving them, like showing them, like, as you move through this, this is what's possible. As you, if you get stuck here and you continue to hold on, this is what tends to happen. And so helping them make an, a more informed choice mm-hmm. um, with something that doesn't necessarily always feel like a choice. Hmm. Nice. Now, um, you know, I know, well, 
being a woman and being an anxious woman, I know that, um, you know, anxiety has definitely bubbled up in my life, you know, partially around being a woman and learning how to be assertive and express what I need and not necessarily always working to please others. Um, how, you know, do do you see particular challenges for women, you know, through building a business, through struggling with eating disorders? Because I know men struggle with eating disorders as well. But um, mm-hmm. do, do you see... I guess, what am I trying to say? Just that being a woman can play into both of those things and the anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting where it comes up so much with women in practice building, it'll come up around the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, like not the clinical boundaries. Most of the people I work with are really clear on where they are clinically, but it's the um, like asking for their fee. It's um, not going over time in their sessions. It's... Um, uh, like managing those more person to person business ends of things. Like they might have beautiful spreadsheets, but um, there's almost a guilt around charging for what they provide for people, yeah. which um, I don't get as much of that with the men that I work with. They're certainly not, um, you know, it's not black and white around this, but I would say that more women seem to struggle with setting and maintaining those boundaries than men. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. And I, I, I see that too with, you know, not necessarily women in business, but women who struggle with anxiety in their personal lives, like setting and maintaining personal boundaries where they're not constantly giving to others or allowing things that they know aren't necessarily good for themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think culturally, like as women, we, um, we're kind of raised up to do for others. We've got generations and generations of women before us whose who's day in and day out was caring for people. So it makes sense that, um, and then, you know, caring for people without charging for anything. So it, it makes <laughs> sense that, um, that we struggle with that as well. We're not that far removed from yeah. um, not having the option to have jobs, really. Absolutely. And so if you could, you know, so creating those boundaries for women, um, helping them create them around their business, you know, asking for a fee that actually, you know, applies to what they need to sustain their business or, you know, keeping and maintaining boundaries around timing. Like how do you help them? How do you coach them in those instances? So I think getting really real about what they need first um, and like financially what they need mm-hmm. being one thing that I really kind of lean on a lot is that it, this is a hard job. Like being a therapist is a very hard job. Um, there's a lot that we carry. And if you want to do this job for the rest of your life, for the rest of your career, then you have got to set and maintain boundaries that are going to help this be sustainable. And, you know, if I'm getting six phone calls every night from clients because I didn't set a boundary around that, um, I'm not going to be able to be in this career very long. Yeah. Being really clear about um, what they want for their future. Um, And most of us aren't like, yeah, I want a career change that I'm not expecting because I'm burned out. That sounds great. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we talk about that. and, And I think taking away, sometimes comparing it to other folks, like, 
um, people will say, you know, I, I never got into this for the money. And I'm like, great, because that'd be creepy if you got into this for the money. Like, this is not the kind of job you get into for the money. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to have a, a like a scarcity mindset. And if, um, you know, if you ended up loving computer programming, you wouldn't feel like you needed to spend at least half of your work week being paid less than what you needed. Yeah. Um, like, if you wanted to give back, you'd volunteer. And guess what? you've got probably more time in private practice than the average um, computer programmer. So you can volunteer if you want to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a part of your business unless it makes sense for you. So yeah, you can assess through that as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, yeah, and I think um, that whole uh, mindset around therapy is that, yes, I'm doing this almost as a service and not to get paid, which of course we have to get paid. We couldn't do this without being paid for what we do and we worked hard to get here but uh yeah I think that's an interesting point of view that like any other job pretty much you wouldn't be going into it and expect to be paid less than what you were worth right yeah. right so if you had a tip or you know something that you would offer your clients or your uh, coaching clients like what what might that be to help them manage anxiety, help them figure out boundaries, whatever that might be? One of my favorite defense mechanisms for myself is intellectualizing. And so one kind of first step that has helped me is um, almost like looking at it like an anthropologist, like, huh, this is interesting, this weight on my chest and this tension in my shoulders. I wonder what that's about. Mm. So instead of coming from this space of judgment of like, oh, God. I'm anxious again. Why can't I just calm down? Um, because certainly I'm going to feel frustration about it when it's not, you know, I mean, it's never fun, but when it's really inopportune timing, mm -hmm. um, I'll just get really curious and be like, okay, so I noticed this. Why did this come up right now? And I'll just kind of ask myself some questions from a space of true, pure curiosity um, and just playing with that, seeing how it feels. Um, it's, it's amazing when we take the judgment away from it, how much less powerful the anxiety is. Yes. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And it's, it's almost like you're allowing it to just be there. Like, okay, there you are. And why now? You know? Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, go away, stop bugging me. Yeah. Just being like, oh, hey, you can sit <laughs> in the back seat. That's fine. <laughs> you're going to be there. I'm driving though. Right. Right. And, and, and through that curiosity being like, okay, yep, I hear you, but yeah, you're not, you're not taking control and I can hear you and know that you're there, but guess what? I'm still here and in control. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, so do you have anything coming up in your, um, um, in the abundance practice building stuff that you would like to talk about? So I, I suppose the abundance party is uh, probably the thing that I'd love to tell people about, which is um, it's a monthly membership site where people pay um, uh, $39 a month and you get courses on starting private practices. Um, we've got several in there, like a niche course, a marketing course, what to say when, scripts and templates. Um, so we've got several other courses in there too. We have um, training every single month. 
and those are taped so you also have access to the archives there's a chance for a one-on-one -on -one with me every month and we have a ridiculously amazing private facebook community for the members and the people in there are insanely helpful and mm. so loving and it's drama free and it's like my favorite place to hang out online oh how nice <laughs> so. Yeah, so the abundance, it's at abundanceparty.com, just spelled like abundance, but you know, yeah. I bring playfulness, so Got <laughs> we're going to dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so when does, you know, when are people able to sign up for that? Folks are able to sign up to that any day. I'm like, anytime. It's cool. evergreen. So cool. nice. Yeah. Awesome. I wanted people to have an affordable option to get them started and, and rolling. And, um, and now we even have courses in there for people who are full and overwhelmed. So We've got some some great experience in there now, too. That's yeah. so awesome. Very cool. Well, I will um, be sure to have a link for that in the show notes. And, um, well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Woman Warriors podcast. I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability around your own struggle and sharing that with the listeners today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in this week to Woman Warriors. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Allison. What inspired me to talk to Allison was her willingness and openness to share how her struggle with anxiety has brought her to a place of abundance and success. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have thoughts and ideas or suggestions about what you would like to hear about in future episodes of the Woman Warriors podcast, please visit my website, womanwarriors.com, and shoot me an email through the contact form there. Have a great week. Ciao for now from this Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.